I read critics all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know about trusting them. It's just you know everybody has their opinion on films. Uh, a lot of a lot of critics get a little mean. I think mm -hmm. and they can kind of. Uh, just unnecessarily badmouth somebody. It's like if you don't like the film, that's fine. But you don't have to be cruel about it, <laughs> you know. And some of my favorite reviews of, of any of my films personally have been really bad reviews. They're 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 very amusing. Hey, film fans, welcome back to another exciting episode of Not To Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we go back and talk about movies that bombed theatrically and the critics didn't like. Brad, still in spooky season. Uh, this is number two for the month, right? That is correct. You want to give us a little background about what we're going to talk about tonight? Maybe um, who told us about this film? Yes, we are talking about 2002's uh, Lucky McGee, his uh, directorial debut. It is a psychological thriller slasher film. May and forgive me, but my Excel does not want to come open here. Did did you not? I, were you not prepared for this part? Troy, choice hour. What? Shut your mouth. Okay. Okay. Fine. Yes. Okay. I'm just shutting. Oh, up. and this was requested by John H. Oh, okay. Another which is very fitting. Yeah. Because John. Uh, since you and I a very nice present today and we will be sending him something because his film was picked, but John, thank you for the lovely gifts. We yes. appreciate it. Thank you so much. So we have a familiar voice with us, the one and only Sammy from the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema. Sammy, how are you this evening? I'm good. I'm feeling very noir. Oh, of course. Yeah. Nobody can see this, but You've decided to go for the black and white look on your on your video filter, which uh, is very spooky. I will say. Well, it's it's not about spooky. It's about my pasty face. <laughs> okay, I didn't want to say anything, but all right. Um, we do have a special guest, though. So this is this is something we we're kind of excited for. Um, we are super lucky to have somebody returning to the podcast. Now, if you're like, well, when was the last time she was on the show? I have no idea because I didn't look that up. Zodiac. <laughs> Zodiac. That would be the episode. Ooh, wait. No. no. Elvira? Yeah. Yep. So it was this time last year for spooky season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what? Okay. We're having a conversation without even announcing who you are. But this is the one and only Angelica, um, who happens to be related to somebody who hosts this show. Uh, not Brad. So not me. <laughs> <laughs> Angel, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Awesome. Now I got to ask real quick. 
Uh, only, you know, it's not like we talk every day or anything, but <laughs> we're, we're like in October. It's not exactly the middle of October, but spooky season has officially kicked off. I'm really curious. What kind of scary movies have you watched so far this month? And I swear to God, if you say the nightmare before Christmas, um, that, that doesn't count yet. Um, I haven't watched that one yet. Okay. All right. Well, what have you watched? Um, I just got done watching Saw One with one of my friends the other night. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you you were going to watch all of them with me, but then you chickened out. But I did not chicken out. I moved to college. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's called chickening out, but okay. <laughs> what else? Um I watched the invitation recently on Netflix, the like vampire one. The Is vamp- that the one with the girl from Game of Thrones? I think so. Because I think there was another invitation that came out a few years ago. Hmm. Didn't get theatrical. This is the one that came out in the theater six months ago or so. Huh? Um, I'm not exactly for sure when it came out, but it's on Netflix. It's like this girl who was adopted or something. Like she's not connected to her family. And then her family like finds her and they're in England and take her in. And then this like random guy who owns the house that she's like at takes her on as one of like the vampires. Hmm. She ends up becoming a vampire and kills everyone, but you know, Oh, oh way to spoil it. Okay. Spoiler. Don't need to yeah. watch that now. All right. Mark that off my list. Okay. Has, has there, has there been a new discovery for you? So a film that you haven't seen before that you discovered this month and you're like, Oh, this, this is uh, something I'm going to share with everybody. Not this movie, not that movie. Okay. All right. No, not the movie we're talking about today. Not not May? No. Oh, all right. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Sammy, same kind of question. So I I know you've been watching movies for your podcast. You've been watching movies for this podcast. Um, has there been anything you discovered of late that you're like, oh, it's a first time watch? I know it's only, you know, a few days in October, but it's a it's a first time watch for you, and you're like, oh yeah, I I'm kind of excited about uh sharing this. No, sadly, I haven't. Uh, this is, of course, part of the problem with me is I watch a lot of old films and not a lot of new films or even stuff that's new to me. I watch a lot of stuff over again. So uh, I don't know what that says about me. But yeah, unfortunately, I, I can't I can't think of anything. Okay. I did like that first episode of uh, uh, Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities with Tim Blake Nelson. I watched that. Oh, OK. That's, I mean, it's a short film, but that's as good as I can give you. All right. No, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, Brad, yes, sir. You and I got to spend some time together in the same room, which was kind of cool. Hey, wait a minute. No, I was there. Sammy was there too. Sammy was there too. Um, I'm surprised Sammy didn't talk about the thing that we showed him that we discovered that was super cool, but that's okay. Uh, Apparently our time was not as memorable. It was that scary. Yeah, it was frightening. No, (laughs) I may have turned you guys onto something. You did. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was a cool for. Okay, can we stop beating around the bush and talk about it? Yeah, let's go. What are we, we going to talk about? Well, first, let's talk about uh, we watched The Dead Don't Die, a Jim Jarmusch film, mm-hmm. which is about the most Jim Jarmusch thing you can do is do a horror film that turns into a genre film. I think it's probably one of the most divisive films I've ever seen. Yes. I know you were showing me that Sammy posted that he watched it, and it was either, hey, I love that movie, or that movie fucking sucks. So not a, not a lot of people in the middle there. Yeah. Um, 
Additionally, Troy and I watched uh, Totally Killer, which we both really enjoyed. Uh, I would say that's more of a comedy horror film, but yeah, it has some pretty. It's, uh, it's an it's an Amazon Prime exclusive that just came out. Yeah, I think Back to the Future meets uh, Scream. Scream. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we also watched Brooklyn Forty Five, which was a oh. recommendation from Sammy. Oh, you guys watched that? That's well, cool. you talked about it, so we're like, okay, yeah. let's sit down and Larry watch Fess- it. Larry Fessenden's really good in that film. <laughs> Very good. Uh, it's a it's like a one room uh, horror film. COVID production, definitely. Yeah, it, it definitely is probably going to be another divisive film. Uh, it definitely takes its time. Um, and then, yeah. what else did we watch? Well, Troy? Well, hold on, before we talk about the the big thing. Um, mm-hmm. The Dead Don't Die. You're, you're absolutely right. It's very divisive. Now, Sammy recommended this one, and we watched it. But I don't. I don't. I think we both landed on the we liked it side, right? Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Okay, me too. And then Brooklyn Forty Five, which is another one that Sammy recommended. Where did you fall on that one? I I liked it. I I thought it was overly long. Okay, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's maybe ten minutes too long. But that okay. that's about the yeah. that's about the only yeah. thing I can say. But I, I was I was really shocked where it went, and I I really enjoyed um, some of the things that it did for yep. for sort of a one room play kind of thing. I agree with you guys. I think it's a little too long, but it's it's a solid little one room movie. Yeah, and um, I think that leads us to probably the best thing that we watched. Yeah, <laughs> Troy, you know, man has has landed on the moon. We've done so many amazing discoveries in our the human uh, existence, but none greater than Garth Marenghi's Dark Places. Yeah, it's it is probably, and I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm I'm really not trying to oversell this, but the only way I can describe um, Garth Marenghi, uh, Dreamweaver, influencer, uh, <laughs> man on the town probably the the most prolific writer ever i I mean the guy has has written more books than he's read um (laughs) but garth marangay's dark place was a tv series that i guess came out in 2004 there's only six episodes i don't know why it's taken me this long to discover this thing but uh it's on amazon prime and uh brad and i got through all six episodes in in my visit i've already started re-watching it um, my wife absolutely hates it, which is a, mm-hmm. which is a good sign that it's a really good film. There you uh, go. <laughs> Cameron loves it. Um, Angel, I'm so curious where you're going to land on this one. I think it's right up your alley too, because you have my genetic humor. Um, so I, I'm hoping <laughs> genetic that, humor. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard of genetic humor. It it is. Um, I'm, you know, Troy, I'm I'm not mad at our British listeners. I'm just a little disappointed in them because once. Once we posted that we watched this, they all came out of the woodwork and was like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever made. And, and it would have been nice to know about this a long time ago. So thanks. Yeah. I had always, I so I watched two episodes for the record behind the scenes. I watched two episodes with Troy and Brad, and I had also never seen this. And I tend to look for things like this. And this one got by me for whatever reason. Uh, I'm glad I watched those two episodes. I'm going to watch the other four and I'm going to cherish that show because it's my sense of humor in a nutshell. Well, our listeners I paid $70 for the DVDs. 
You did what? $70 for the DVDs. <laughs> uh, wow. Did you just, well, with, like, wait, 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 wait. Did you get it off eBay? Yeah. For like shit with shipping and stuff. Yeah. Shit. I, I had that on my watch list. You bet. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I'll find another one. I'll find another one. I hey, should have pulled the trigger. Hesitates. I know. I should have pulled the trigger. Okay. However, who knew we'd be buying $70 DVDs again? Well, it's a region B too. So you need an all region player for it. I love my daughter shaking her head. Like this <laughs> yes. is, this is These why nerds. we struggle to well, pay why for college. Are you investing? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you investing $70 into a DVD and not your daughter? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, when Shui dies, uh, he will be queen. <laughs> No. Yes. Marinkis, dark places. Well, hey, the listeners did come through on this, and they they told us that apparently Garth is now publishing new books. So uh, yeah. I did order um, his book that's out there, hardcover edition. I have nice. that one coming, and there's a new one coming out later in the month that I've pre-ordered. But so I are these fiction books? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. I'll check them out. Yeah, I I can't. I mean, every episode starts with him reading a, an excerpt from his his books. <laughs> yes, which is fantastic. But apparently, these um these novels are written by Garth. So the one I ordered was Garth Marenghi's Terror Tome. Um, nice. it it's gotten like five hundred nine reviews. It's four point five stars on Amazon. So it's got to be amazing. Got to be. Yeah, I I also need to order the Garth Marenghi's Dark Place Unauthorized Quiz Book. Um, that'll be fun. What about the oeuvre? The oeuvre? The, 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 the one that has all the books in it. Oh yeah. The show. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you listeners for that. And the, uh, was it Dean Lerner? Man to man. Man to man, yep. which is, uh, a character from dark places does a talk show, which is amazing. Um, but you know, I have mixed feelings about our UK listeners now. Very ups- I'm with Brad, very upset. You didn't tell us about this a few years ago. But I am happy that you you told us about the books that are out. So, absolutely. Please. And Angel, it's it's now required homework, uh, parental <laughs> homework, college homework that you have to go watch the show. At least watch the first twenty five minutes. They're only twenty five minutes an episode. Yeah, watch the first According episode. According to mom, that's like twenty five minutes of wasting. Listen, your mother is a math teacher. She has zero sense of humor. Um, she, she did not major in art literature or appreciation of the finer things in life. She, she majored in numbers. So let's put that in perspective. She likes smoochy films. So there you go. The pest. The yeah, She loves the pest. <laughs> Come on, man. That should tell you something right there. All right, Brad, let's, uh, let's get into this discussion of may from 2002. Let's go back in the time machine. Um, real quick. I think for all of us, except Angel, this is our second viewing, right? Correct. Okay. And Angel, this is the first time you've ever seen this film, right? Yeah. Interesting. Did you watch it with friends? Yeah, me and Maddie watched it together, my roommate. Okay. I cannot wait for this. So of all the films that we were talking about this month, this is the one I was really hoping you would make time to come on the show to talk about. Simply because of the character's age its content and um, where it goes and also in terms of what you're studying. So for, for full disclosure, you're, you're trying to study to be a psychologist, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So uh, let's, let's go back when this film was released in 2002 and how did it do Brad? Yeah. So interesting release. Uh, It gets a Sundance release January 13th of 2002 
does not see a theatrical release until February 7th of 2003. So we will use the 2003 as a release date. Okay. Uh, with a reported budget of $1.7 million. Now, folks, this is why you can't trust Wikipedia. Wikipedia says it made 634 k That's thousands. But when I went and did a little further research, I saw that it actually only made 264 k That's 150000 domestically and 114 internationally. So again, we only make 264 K on a $1.7 million budget. Now it's release. Like I said, was a year after it's Sundance, uh, release and, uh, it, uh, is released and it makes $34,000. It's opening weekend. That's good enough for 58th place, Troy. Remember when there was 58 films you could see in the theater? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was six. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> so it's only released in nine theaters. So that re- that uh, theater average is $3,887, which is actually not bad. Yeah, on like a, a per like theater a, average, that's pretty good. Yeah, per theater is not bad. Um, again, only nine theaters there. Your top ten films for that weekend, Troy: How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, Shanghai Nights, Oh, Jackie Chan, Yeah, <laughs> okay, Chicago, <laughs> The Recruit, Final Destination Two, Deliver Us from Eva, Kangaroo Jack. Drum roll, please. Number eight this weekend is Biker Boys. Oh boy. Okay. Oh, boy. you, oh boys. You, oh boys. <laughs> you cry again, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh Darkness Falls and number 10 is The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs> uh Rotten Tomatoes has May at a 70% with the critics. That's with 70 reviews. And 75% with the audience. That's with uh, uh 70 or 25,000 reviews. And our friends over at movieguide.org. Oh, have a, wait. Have a, have, you have a review? Oh, have a review. Okay. So set set the stage real quick on how the review works. Okay. Before, before you read it, because I got something special for it. Okay. Yeah. Movieguide.org is a website that uh, reviews films, not for their quality, but for, our, for, for their content, for our little Christian eyes. And they use a uh, plus four, which is the most holy number you can be. Or you could be a negative four and anywhere in between, uh, which means you're the most unholy. And um, May sits at a what, gentlemen? What is our guesses? Okay. Uh, Angel, I'm going to defer to you first. You get to guess. Now that you've seen May, and uh, if you were working for this website, knowing its criteria, would you give it a, a plus four, meaning... Gosh darn darn it that that thing's really good and it's and it's wholesome versus negative four you're you're going to hell um where where would it land I'd say like a negative two Ooh, okay negative two okay Sammy what about you I'm gonna say negative four oh um All right I'm gonna go negative four on this one as well I, I think okay. there's some topics here that that it doesn't like so we uh, have a negative four on our hands. Ooh, okay, Brad. Now hold on. Before you start reading, I, I got to set the mood. So um, here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. All right, Brad, go ahead. 
Okay, May. Uh, <clears throat> Contents, Troy. Depressing, nihilistic, humanistic worldview with some romantic elements. Very strong homosexual content and light political correctness. 16 obscenities and three strong profanities. Extreme, sometimes graphic violence, include woman bites man hard enough to draw blood. Ooh, that, uh, was, woman, that, was, woman, that was an intense scene of violence, I yes. agree. Woman throws ashtray and accidentally kills her cat. Woman stabs young man in head. Woman slits another woman's throat. Woman stabs another man's body. Self-mutilation. Gruesome scenes from a short cannibalistic horror movie. God damn it. I'm Wait, getting Brad, all over again. Brad, you can't you can't say that while you're oh, reading sorry, the review. While I'm reading this. Yeah. And a woman ch- chops up bodies, washes body parts, and sews them together. Mm. Unmarried couple starts making love on bed. Woman kisses and fondles another one. Oh. Uh, and references to oral sex, homosexuality, and fornication. Mm. Partial female nudity. and <sighs> clutching my, I'm clutching my pearls, Brad. I'm clutching my pearls. Upper male nudity, alcohol use, smoking, and grief. Oh, I'm sorry. Grief. Brief, brief negative portrayal of a mother. Wow, that's a new one. Have we ever had brief negative portrayal of a mother? Uh, I I think that might be. I mean, usually it's pagan worldviews, right? But that yep. that might be new. Okay. <sighs> that's all I got for you. That's it. Okay. That's pretty impressive. That's uh, yeah. So the reason why I went negative four with this one is I uh, I didn't feel like there's anything that a church with any good standing and racism. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. No, <laughs> I, just didn't feel, I felt like this was this is like the epitome of an anti-religious film. In, in I agree. modern American puritism. <laughs> I, I agree. Well, let, let's talk about the people who made this film. So for, for those not familiar, uh, and I think, Brad, it's kind of interesting when you talk about that audience score. Is it fair to say May is kind of a well-known film within the horror community? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I I think with the circles that we run in, I know like a lot of the horror podcasts that we listen to at some point in time all have reviewed this film. Okay, so we're late to the game, is what you're saying. We are late to the game, yes. Okay, so for for We've, the uh, we, we never reviewed it on our show either. Ooh, we're not last even place. later to the game. Wow. Yeah, okay, even no, later to the game. All right. Yeah. Well, for for those who don't know anything about this film, May is about a socially awkward veterinary assistant with a lazy eye and obsession with perfection. And what happens is she descends into um, madness after she gets a crush on a boy with perfect hands. I, I think that's pretty much the plot synopsis. Who's obsessed with Dario Argento? Maybe that has something to do with it. Oh, yeah, true, true. Um, it is directed by one Lucky McKee. So he uh, had done some short videos uh, prior to May. What's interesting is he he did a um, he co-directed a short video called "All Cheer- Cheerleaders Die." It, Angel, I, I I know you're a cheerleader. I don't think he was. Uh, this is no offense to you. I feel offended. Okay, don't be don't be offended. Um, he did that short in 2001, and I believe ended up directing a film of the same title called All Cheerleaders Die in 2013. But May is his directorial debut in 2002. So, Sammy, I'm going to start with you. Lucky McKee as a director, um, he has done stuff on Masters of Horror in 2006. So this is Mitt Garris's project where he's kind of picking the the best directors out there, horror directors to do these little short one hour um, episodes. 
his episode in 2006 was called sick girl. Um, but what, what do you think about him as a director? Is, is he truly a master of war? Uh, well, no, he is not, but that's okay. He's a, he's an up and comer and he's still got a way to go. You know, I think he's done some interesting things. I haven't seen all of his work, but I have seen the woman. I have seen red. I've seen the master of horror episode, which is actually quite good. I think it has uh, Angela Bettis in it. Yep. And uh, Misty Monday or Aaron Brown. She's kind of a famous kind of softcore pornography actor. Never heard of her. Uh, yeah, me either. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about, Sammy. Uh, the Woods. Uh, I, I was really excited when The Woods came out because that was his follow up to May. So I thought maybe, but it was a bit of a letdown for me. Mm-hmm. So I think, but that little run there, May, The Woods, that Masters of Horror episode, Red and The Woman. Uh, there's evidently something called blue like you, which I've never, I don't know what that is. Um, but those are pretty good. I never saw after that. I was pretty much off. I think I haven't watched anything of his since then. I, matter of fact, I almost hovered over and watched old man the other day, which is a Stephen Lang kind of revenge film. Yeah. I didn't know he directed it though. So, okay. But I think he's, I think he's got a ways to go. I, th- I think there's still some good work in him. Um, honestly. Okay. What about you, Brad? Where where do you stand on Lucky? You know, I I feel like he hasn't done enough to be considered like a master of horror. Um, I'm not the biggest fan, to be honest with you. I watched that movie Blood Money because it stars John Cusack, and I, I feel like he and I are kindred spirits. So, oh, he um, did a movie called Kindred Spirits in 2019. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of funny. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Huh, okay. And uh, it, it was pretty terrible. Um, the woman is okay. I don't know. The woods I, I found pretty bad. So he's, you know, not, not great for me. Okay. Mm. Angel, I'm going to assume you have no idea who Lucky McKee is, right? No clue. No clue. Okay. <laughs> he did do a film called All Cheerleaders Die in 2013. Are you interested in seeing that film? Yeah. I mean, like. What's it about? Like you've seen it, haven't you? We own it. I haven't watched it, but I'm assuming from the title that a bunch of cheerleaders die, die. in the film. Yeah. yeah. Maybe all of them. That might all of them mm. might die, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um okay, we'll 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 definitely check it out since we own it. I, I'm kind of in the camp with Brad. Uh I we'll talk about my thoughts on May. The woods, I think, is okay. The woman is interesting. Very hard watch though. It's very Four. trans it is transgressive cinema. <laughs> it's um it's tough, but I appreciate for what it is. But outside of that, none of his other films um or properties I've I've really I guess been interested in catching out. Except Old Man. Old Man's the one that I'm I like Stephen Lang, so I'm really curious on what that's gonna be. So watch I'm, don't breathe just don't watch Don't Breathe, you'll be fine. Yeah, true. It's probably a much better film. I would, I would recommend checking out Red. That's the one about the that's the Brian Cox revenge movie about uh, you know some teen boys kill his dog. Tom Sizemore's in that, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a bit of a mess, but it's I would say it's up there. Like his three best films to me are May Red and The Woman, so that I would say it's up there. So. Okay, well, Lucky also wrote the screenplay for this, which is not unusual because um, he writes the screenplay for a lot of the films that he ends up directing, like The Woman, All Cheerleaders Die, Tales of Halloween, Death December. He did do a screenplay in 2006 called Roman, which was actually directed by Angela Bettis, who stars in May. Uh, 
which is pretty interesting. The cinematography is done by Steve Yedlin. Now, I bring up this because Steve hooks up with one Rian Johnson in 2005 to lens brick. And from there on, I think Rian ends up, uh, is, is it Rian? Ryan? Ryan. Ryan. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Okay. So Ryan Johnson ends up using him for brick, Brothers Bloom, Looper, et cetera, et cetera. One film that does pop out is Carrie in 2013. Um, keep that in mind because there's you're going to see a couple of things pop up over and over when we talk about the people behind the camera in front of the camera. Uh, the editors. So there are three editors to the film. One is Deborah Goldfield. The next is Chris Severston. Gentlemen and lady, who do you think the third editor is? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. That's right. So Ryan Johnson, prior to Brick, was an editor on this film. And uh, one other thing we're going to talk about, because I can't wait to hear Brad's review of the music. Um, the music and composer is done by Jay Barnes Luckett, also known as James Luckett. Belongs to, uh, it's it's a band, but it's really a solo music project band called Paparatic. So if you're a fan of Paparatic. More like Problematic. Hey. hey. Oh. Go. So those are the. Because it sucks. Uh so also McKee, I guess Brian Johnson gave him a, you know, he gave him some work recently because he did do an episode of Brian Johnson's Poker Face show too. So oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, very kind of him. Very kind. There you go. Hey, they're keeping it in the family, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, cast: Angela Bettis as May Dove Kennedy, actress, producer, director. Uh, if you go through and look at her resume, I was actually surprised at how many horror movies or projects she's worked on. From stuff mm-hmm. like um, prior to May, she did Bless the Child in 2000. She was Carrie in the TV movie version of Carrie from 2002. Toolbox Murders. Um, she was in the episode of Masters of Horror, Sick Girl. Uh, did Scar in 2007. Wicked Lake in 2008. Was in a couple episodes of Dexter from 2010. Was in The Woman, which was also a Lucky McGee film in 2011. Tom Holland's Twisted Tales, 12-Hour Shift, Ghost of the Ozarks. I got to be honest with you. Angela is one that this is the movie I always associate her with, but um, does anybody else follow her career or has seen a majority of her work outside of may? Can't say that I have. I know her. Yeah. I know her primarily from her lucky McKee stuff. I really don't know her much outside of that. Okay. And angel, this is the first time you've seen her, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Also to round out the cast, we've got Jeremy Sisto as Adam Stubbs. Now, this is um, the guy with the perfect hands. Angel, do you recognize this gentleman? I definitely have seen him in something. You've seen him in something. Would uh, If I told you he was in Clueless in 1995, would that ring a bell with Alicia Silverstone? It's not ringing any bells. He's the guy that Brittany Murphy is trying to get with. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the movies I know him from are Clueless, Suicide Kings, which I, I think is an underrated little thriller. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he is in that. Yeah, yeah, a horror film called Wrong Turn, 2003. Um, oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. You, you, I, I assume you recognize this person, Angel, Anna Ferris. So, this, yeah. Okay. As Polly, what do you know Anna Ferris mm-hmm. from? Isn't she's mostly known for her comedy stuff, isn't she? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would know her from the Scary Movie franchise. Yeah. 
Uh, she was in two Ryan Reynolds films in 2005, Waiting and Just Friends. Um, and then the year that this came out, May in 2002, if you're using that, she also starred in Rob Schneider's The Hot Chick from 2002. So big Anna Ferris fan because she's from Baltimore, Maryland. She was born in Baltimore, Maryland. We get Nicole Hilt as Ambrosia. Um, now I bring her up because she was in this film and she's in one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 2002, the same year that she worked on May. And then we get James Duvall as blank. Get out of the road. <laughs> Donnie Darko himself, 2001. So this was crazy. This James Duvall guy, 148 acting credits. Yeah, he works a lot. Uh, this is the stuff he's doing right now. In films you've never heard of. In 2023, <laughs> he is in a film called Alien Vampire Busters. Yeah. Uh, there you go. In 2022, he's in a film called Amityville Karen. Amityville oh. Karen. That's there you go. Hmm. So mad. He plays a character named Troy. Now, <laughs> as somebody named Troy and looking at James Duball, I don't think he looks like a Troy. That's just my personal opinion. Interesting. But, yeah. Um, Some psychological stuff here for Angel. I, I like. I would like for you to talk deeper about that if you could. Talk. Talk about what my. My, Why he doesn't look like a Troy to Troy? Because James Duvall looks nothing like me. <laughs> so you're the only Troy is what you're trying yeah, to say. You're the only Troy. Well, yeah. I mean, most Troys I encounter have this handsome, rugged facial. Oh, so like, you're Troy Prime is what you're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, he might have played like Troy Dollar General handsome, Troy, but I'm handsome. Rug, handsome. Or and rugged. like the one meme that's like the Walmart Troy versus the Target Troy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think about yeah, okay. more like a Macy's <laughs> Troy, not a Target you, Troy. You said a handsome, rugged, and I'm sitting there thinking you must be Troy Light. Troy Light? <laughs> no, I'm. I like I'm. I'm the premier Troy. I'm not like Saks Fifth Avenue Troy, but I mean, I'm like Troy Jeep Troy. I'm Troy Jeep, yeah, because I I drive a real Jeep, um, <laughs> not a fake Jeep like somebody you know, else. You come and you stay at my house. <laughs> I bought you Domino's pizza. <laughs> you bought it for me this time. Yeah, I bought you Domino's pizza hey, this time. Hey, uh, a little fun trivia tidbit. I, 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 the dad. I guess you. I noticed the dad, and I didn't say anything while I was watching the movie with you guys. But I, it bothered me when I left y'all's house, or when I left Brad's house, not y'all's house. When I left Brad's house, I was like, "Who is that guy?" And then it suddenly occurred to me uh, today, that's a uh, Wayne Grove from Heat. Oh, that's uh, Kevin Gage. Kevin Gage. Yeah, the great Kevin Gage, who's a great character actor. He's got a great look. Uh, you wouldn't even recognize him here. But man, he's so good in Heat. He's like one of my favorite things in Heat. Yeah, he's Heat's a, a pretty good movie. Yeah, I like that movie. That's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I hear. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, like a, it's, like a, it's like a Jeep crime film. <laughs> I thought you were going to say an 8 out of 10, and I was going <laughs> to. Yeah, it's, it's more like nah, a 7 not quite, 5. It's not quite, as, not quite as good as Warriors 2. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I actually would agree with that statement. <laughs> I would put Warriors 2 over heat. Anyways, production and development. Not a lot here, but real quick. Lucky McGee has stated that May wouldn't exist if it weren't for Amanda Plummer's character in The Fisher King. That's a quote from him. So oh, well, that's the inspiration. Know, now, now that you say that, I totally see the performance now. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I didn't even know that piece of trivia. So there we go. Now I totally see what Bettis is going for. So, Angel, I know you haven't seen The Fisher King. That is definitely one I'm going to have to 
make you watch because I think you really like it. Terry Gilliam, Robin Williams uh, film or Terry Gilliam film with Robin Williams. You're gonna love it. Uh, the other kind of fascinating bit of trivia um, is that Fangoria of all things has an award show and it's called the Chainsaw Awards. I, I think I knew this, but I never paid attention to it. But in 2004, so a couple of years after this was released, uh, May was nominated for some Chainsaw Awards. So it was nominated for Best Limited Release Direct-to-Video Film. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Anna Ferris. It was nominated for Best Screenplay. It won only one award, and it kind of makes sense. It won for Best Actress for Angela Bettis. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. So that's all the background uh, and everything on May. I, I guess, is, is it fair to say from a, if you put the pieces together, this really didn't, this didn't have a future in the theatrical market. This was going to, I mean, it was destined to find its future on home video or as a cult movie status. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. It's got all the, all the hallmarks of, of like a cult film. Okay. Yeah, Unknown would, actress premise yeah. is pretty takes inspiration from other classical, uh, movie monsters, mm-hmm. uh, unknown director. Yeah. I think it's kind of built for, for that cult status. Horror fans are also very, will always embrace something that's new and different. So, yeah. Although they are a very forgiving bunch, they are also a very harsh bunch. But correct, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, I'll say this: I well, I know we don't have the data, but I would bet this movie made money on DVD. I'm sure it did. I'm actually yeah. surprised. Uh, like in the U.S., you can find a DVD version, but you got to go outside of the country for the special edition Blu-rays, right? Yeah, yeah. Which may be because of the music that. Brad like so much that we'll talk about. That's true. I, I do have a question for Angel. I don't know now that you've seen the film, but even if you saw a trailer of the film, your age group is kind of the prime demographic for um, theaters right now. I mean, your your age group, based on the numbers, is probably buying the most tickets and sees the most movies. If you saw a trailer for this film, is this the type of film that we you would go and and pay like a fifth for? $15 to go see it in the theater. Um, or is this the type of film that you would go, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to the theater to see it. I might catch it later. I mean, it's kind of hard to say for me because anything horror related, I'm going to go see. Okay. Like it's just my favorite genre. So anytime there's a new horror film out there, I'm always on top of it. So you, you would, would, but seeing the trailer to something like this would, would you wait or would you go see it? I'd probably wait on this one just because I feel like the trailer didn't really incorporate what this film was about. Okay. Like, yeah. So here, here's a question I have, and this is why I always get excited when, when you stop by to, to kind of talk movies with us. Hollywood today has, has a template for action films, horror films, et cetera. May is a film that I don't think on the surface fits a Hollywood template for jump scares, you know, whatever. No, definitely not. Yeah. Is, is there a particular film uh, recipe that when you see in a trailer, you go, 
oh, I'm definitely going to go see that because I, I know what the film's about. It showed me a couple of jump scares in the trailer. Or if the trailer or the subject matter is a little confusing to you, I mean, do you just stay away from? I'm really curious when you're looking at trailers or you're looking at, hey, what movie am I going to go see? What is it that influences you and how do you make your decision to spend your money? Um, I'd say typically if it's like something different or new, I try to go see it. But like, of course, no matter what, I'm going to see the classics of like The Conjuring, Insidious and stuff like that just to stay on top of it. So you're a franchise person? No, I mean, yes, but no, like I'm going to see it, but I'm not really, I don't know. I don't enjoy them as much as I probably used to. Like me and my friends watched Paranormal Activity the other night and we were just laughing our butts off. Because it was just so funny to us nowadays when I remember as a kid begging to sleep with you guys because it scared me so badly. <laughs> I just want to take a time out for a second and to say that I've never felt as old as when somebody says the classics like Insidious. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, that's not like the classics. No, I well, mean like today's that, classics. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> like today's theater classics that people know yeah. nowadays then i have to remember the 80s or 40 years ago and i was born in the 70s and you know the 30s were 40 years ago from that oh no don't get me wrong like when when she said classics i'm like what the exorcist stuff like that and she's like no conjuring i'm like ah yep i'm i'm knocking on my deathbed right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no those are of course the true classics but i'm talking about like yeah, yeah. what's you, going on nowadays true means old 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 yeah. yeah yeah it's okay it's okay it's just funny when we hear stuff like that because it it's true i mean now this generation that's coming up you know again i'm born in the 70s your dad's born in the 70s brad's born in the 80s but i mean the classic films for us were 30s and 40s films and those horror films were our classics and that's kind of crazy to think about now that this i don't know it just blows my mind when i hear that my, my son will say Oh man, I, I watched a movie the other day. It's so old. I'm like, how old was it? He's like, it was like 87 or 88. I'm like, it's not that old, but it is old. <laughs> well, Angel, do you do you introduce your friends to horror movies that um so the conjuring insidious, yeah, they they've got that whole universe that they're they're yeah. pumping out films to. But do you take a minute to show them the true classics? I, I mean, you've been exposed to that stuff. And one of your favorite films of all time is The Thing from Another World. And I remember taking you to the AFI and, and just watching that movie through you and, and watching you fall in love with it. But have you introduced your your friends to what Sammy and I would call and, and Brad the classics? Yeah, I've definitely tried. Like, it's hard to find because it's like all I have is a laptop to watch movies on in college. I don't have like TV. So you can't buy our, you can't buy our like TV? Can't buy our TV? What, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> What are we doing here, Troy? Look, I, have, I had to have an all region player in your dorm room. Well, what are we, I what had are we, to get that steel book of Lawrence of Arabia, man. Yeah. Now we know. <laughs> now you had to get that Garth Marenghi hardcover. Now we know why the Garth Marenghi <laughs> DVD set is $70, Brad. So yeah, that's why I can't have a TV. She can't have a TV. Cause I got to buy Angel, movies. I'm so sorry. If I would have known that your uncle Brad would have bought you a TV. For there you. we go. That's what I love. <laughs> He would have no, bought you a TV definitely... and I would have been able to buy that $70 DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hon. But I've definitely shown like my friends, my favorite films of like the thing from another world. Um, oh, what's some others? 
some recent ones we watched were we tried to watch Freddy Krueger, but we could only find the recent stuff, which was awful. Okay. Yeah, I mean yeah. you're not wrong. That's true. Yeah. That's so but like funny. finding the classics is so hard. Let me tell you about this thing. It's called physical media. <laughs> hey, let me let me, <laughs> let me say this that Freddy Krueger will be 40 years old next year. Oh my god. Yeah. Let wow. me let me just say that out loud. Freddy's getting old. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, let's I, I can't believe I asked that question. I don't I'm sorry I asked that question. Listen, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna talk about a um is 2002 old? Is that considered a classic? It's 21 years old. I mean, that's when I graduated from high school. Oh, Jesus. That's when I was born. If it gives you any perspective, 2001 came out in, what, 68? Yeah. So that means in 1989, it was 21 years old. Okay. All right. So this movie's old enough to drink. Got it. Um, All right. (laughs) It makes me feel old when I think that way. God, I'm, I'm really feeling depressed all of a sudden. Okay. Quick break. We come back. We're going to talk about May. Stay tuned. The crowds are thinning out at the snack bar, folks, and there are still three minutes till showtime. You can easily make it for something that'll just hit the spot. How about it? Don't waste a second of refreshment time. You'll find such an appetizing assortment of refreshments at the snack bar, you won't be able to decide what to ask for first. All of your snack bar favorites are there, including fresh peanuts, hot popcorn, and candy of all kinds. And believe us, you've never eaten better hot dogs, crisper french fries, or more delicious buttered popcorn. Masters of Horror present the masterpieces of screen horror from 20th Century Fox, Frankenstein Created Woman, and The Mummy's Shroud. Frankenstein, now he has created his most diabolical horror, the ultimate in evil, a beautiful woman with the soul of the devil. Then, beware the beat of the cloth-wrapped feet. Beware the Mummy's Shroud. The ultimate in evil, the absolute in terror from the Shockmasters. Together in the same double shock show, Frankenstein Created Woman and The Mummy's Shroud in dripping, dripping color. Footsteps on the stairs. A shadow under the door. Try to scream. A reflection from a razor. And all the screaming in the world. Won't, won't, won't. Help, 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 help. The bird with the crystal plumage is gripping suspense, agonizing tension, razor-sharp terror. No one saw him come. No one saw him go. There was only the girl's body to tell he'd been there. The bird with the crystal plumage. From a director the critics are hailing as a new Hitchcock. The bird with the crystal plumage. If you think you're being followed home from this movie, keep telling yourself that it's all in your mind. 
the bird with the crystal plumage in color. Rated GP. All ages parental guidance. From UMC Pictures. back uh we're talking about a movie that has some really racy topics here so um folks don't judge me for bringing my daughter on a onto this film called may um however and and i think all three of us not not angel have talked about this we have different varying degrees of when we introduce our kids to horror films and angel being 21 now I will be the first to say when we get into some of the topics and some of the things that happen in this film, I, I'm just full disclosure. I'm going to be a little uncomfortable um, when, <laughs> when we talk about some things. So uh, if, if I'm quiet or have some awkward pauses, just, just know where I'm coming from here. Um, but angel, I'm going to start with you. May you got a defibrillator mm-hmm. at your house. Troy, case, I, I might whatever. need one. Um, Cause <laughs> I have no idea what angel is going to say. She shocks me on on occasion. I mean, we all have this demented sense of humor, and as you get older, it gets more progressive. But oh boy, Angel, um, let's talk about May. What what were your thoughts on it? Let's start there. I mean, in, initial reaction to it. Um. Well, like coming from a psychological perspective, it definitely seems like she has autism. Okay. Like, and has like hyperfixations on sewing and dolls clearly like and has this obsession with perfection so you went you you were watching this film and you went into full diagnosis is that what you're saying yeah okay uh, that was like me and my roommate's first notice you were ju- you just started diagnosing this character <laughs> yeah all right what did you think about the story though i mean i every time troy a business talks about their business plan and stuff i wonder about their financials so you know what i i get it i get i've been there i I do there's some films that take me out of it because i'm like oh i'm gonna go down that rabbit hole and i now have a question about this character's uh (laughs) appetite for risk and the analytics they use to make that decision but um okay but outside of the diagnosis perspective of that character what did you think about the overall story I thought it was very interesting how as the story goes on, she becomes more comfortable with herself. Mm-hmm. Like you can see she eases into herself. The crazier she gets kind of. Okay. Um, did the, did you find the character relatable? Um, Oh boy. I mean, that's a weird question. Like, if I say yes, you're going to think I'm a serial killer. I already if I think say no. Look, I already think you're a serial killer. So. <laughs> <laughs> boy, me and Brad are feeling uh, hey, word. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let me let me rephrase the question this way. Um, you went into full diagnosis of this character, which I'm assuming means that how uh, she portrays May is a realistic performance. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'd say it's definitely, like, it's maybe a little exaggerated because clearly people who 
are more like socially awkward or have that like social anxiety and I guess it kind of suggested in the film that she had a traumatic childhood mm-hmm. of like dealing with perfection and stuff like that from her mother and being someone who's not perfect per se um, is because of her lazy eye is going to be a real struggle for her. And so just taking that into consideration, I feel like the character was portrayed pretty well, but also could have been not so awkward. Like there's some scenes where like, she just doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. And I, Me and Maddie, my roommate, we're literally just like, say something, just say something. Have, have, have you met anybody that maybe encompasses the same type of characteristics as his May character? Um, I mean, I've studied, I have, yeah, that like has some of the same issues of like May that has, and like they can go nonverbal and like not know what to say and stuff like that. And like even myself, like you just don't know what to say. And so you kind of stop talking, but it's just to watch that makes me so uncomfortable because it's like crazy. So one of your favorite films is Bride of Frankenstein. And I I know you are a fan of the classic universal monster films. Would you consider May in the same vein as um, maybe a modern retelling of the Frankenstein story? Almost definitely. I think it was almost like just like perfect, like how she creates her own perfect person that and is so obsessed with perfectionism that she goes that far to take people's body parts that she views as perfect. Because I think even in the film, it says she like states so many perfect parts, but no perfect holes, mm-hmm. like whole pieces. And so it kind of like shows how far she's gone. Okay. In like the sense of where she's at in her mental state. Yeah. Was was there a scene or something that um stood out for you in in the entire runtime? Oh my god. So the ending scenes were just I don't want to say beautiful cuz then I sound crazy. But, but you already said it. Yeah, and it wouldn't be yeah. the first time, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, but, you, um, your dad said it too when he watched it with us. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sharing a brain. But like how they like cut the scenes where she's like washing blood off the leg and then it's you see it's the amputated leg. I was like, that was so good. Like, cause you think it's her leg and then it's the amputated leg. I was like, that was beautiful editing. Okay, so you, you were a big fan of the third act then. Yeah, and the whole comparing the parallels between the sewing and cutting of fabric to the sewing and cutting of body parts, how like you can see she's just so comfortable in it. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. Okay, Sammy, uh, what what was your reaction to May on its second viewing? Uh, this was interesting to watch the second time around. I I liked this quite a bit the first time I saw it, and I want to say I still like it uh, quite a bit. I I don't uh, I, I haven't really changed my opinion on it. Um, I think it's a really good small independent horror film. Uh, it really is a study in awkwardness, though, 
that is there's something so uncomfortable about the movie most of the way through. And I think I laugh at it because if you guys remember, I was sitting there with you all and I was laughing. Yes. I think I laugh because I feel so uncomfortable for awkwardness. Did did you have yeah. did like, you guys have that experience, Angel? Because the three of us Yeah, watched we were it laughing together. the entire time. It was so we had to like cover our eyes and we're yelling at the screen. <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's so embarrassing. Like the whole movie is like a study in embarrassment. Yeah. And I feel yeah. so bad for it at times. And uh it's just and, and there's something kind of creepy about it too, because she just goes that much further with it and kind of getting obsessed with things. Seeing it a second time around, Troy, Brad, we kind of talked about this as we were watching it. It's a little heavy handed compared to what I thought I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. A little. Like it was, well, <laughs> this guy has a Frankenstein tattoo. He has a Frankenstein tattoo. He yes. likes Dario Argento movies, oh, Trump in particular. Uh, it just, it, it hits some things kind of so squarely on the head that it, that in and of itself is a bit awkward. Now that is the movie snob in me. I do realize that, but it is very, it's projected very strongly on the piece itself. And, um, thankfully Angela Bettis is so good in the movie at playing this character. As a matter of fact, I can't think of anything I've ever seen her in. I think, I think I've only seen her in a couple things. It seems like she's the same character. Every time I see her, like she is the new Amanda Plummer because Amanda Plummer, Really, for the record, even like in Pulp Fiction, you know, she's awkward. Yeah. Odd. She's always been an odd actress, right? So I can't really think of anything when I think of May except Angela Bettis. And that is something I think. I think that this is a, you know, a really great performance over the last 20 years in a somewhat good movie. And I like what it does with the stuff. I like how it plays with the idea of body parts and it's, you know, it's just a derivative of the Frankenstein story. I like all that. Um, the problem I had this time around, if I had any issue is the filmmaking, some of it felt way more amateurish than I remember it. What, and do you, well, some of the blends and the editing and stuff. Okay. All right. You know what I'm talking about? Some of the fades and the blends and it, it just felt, it just felt kind of ham handed. Now, again, it's not bad enough for me to not, I would, I would never say that, you know, I can't make a movie. So, uh, I, I would say that, you know, it's, it's still very well done, but it just felt more like a young person trying to make a cool film than the cool film. I originally thought it was, it felt like there was a lot more trying hard this time around watching it if that makes sense I, it sounds really stupid to say it out loud like that but thank god i'm not we got angel on here thank god i'm not writing a paper or anything this movie was very <laughs> try hard and it tried really hard and it's trying hardness do, but, do, it, does it feel like that because you're watching it from a critical eye versus discovering like i think ap- so after you watch it the first time and you go back and revisit it and you you know what's coming and you're concentrating on the things that you think are elevated it. I, yeah. I mean, is that, is that just a natural progression of the second viewing? I think so. I think so. Knowing I, I was going to talk about it in some type of attempt to kind of get some thoughts across on this podcast, but you know, it, it, it is one of those films. I like films like this with central performances that are kind of with characters that are having problems, Uh bad Lieutenant taxi driver, I like I like characters like this because it really gives actors a chance to to really work. And I got to say in watching it again, 
she still nails this character, whatever this character is, a study in, like I said, awkwardness, maybe some bit of bits of autism, certainly some bits of abuse and and other issues, antisocial behavior. I I don't know. I mean, she's nailing all these things, in my opinion. Obviously, as somebody who's dealt with some of those things in my lifetime, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, you know, you need to get help or you need to talk with somebody. But then I remember also that I would go through times in my life where I refused to talk to anybody about anything. I just refused because it's my business. It's nobody else's business. Right. So that kind of stuff's still interesting and that kind of stuff still works. The other acting in the film, and I think, you know, me and you and uh, Brad felt this way, maybe watching it. I don't know. I mean, I guess Anna Ferris is pretty good for what she's doing, but she's really just playing the sex pot. This kind of this honeypot of some sort, this, you know, this thing that, you know, she wants because of the neck and whatnot. And, and, and she seems kind of vacuous and kind of this there for the physical appearance. And then of course the other girls even there for more of a physical appearance, the Ambrosia character. And that kind of stuff just felt kind of empty to me, but maybe it was supposed to, I don't know. I never really felt for those characters for what happens with those characters. I, I didn't for Anna Ferris until the comment when she mentioned something about her. So when may makes a comment about her finger and says, have you ever thought about getting that fixed? And Anna Ferris says, yeah, but my grandmother says the imperfections are kind of what at our, at our character or personality or whatnot. I, I think there is a part of Anna Ferris who transitions from sex pot comedy relief to, Oh, that's kind of deep. And then what happens to her as a result of that, um, which comes pretty soon after just makes her demise. Um, you know, you, you feel impacted by that. If that makes sense, like up to that point, she felt like a body part, but then when you realize that there is some depth there as a result of her sharing, um, that comment, and then she's taken away. You're like, Oh, okay. Uh, I think, I think they're saying something with that. Like just, just as soon as somebody starts to kind of open up a little bit and you get to know them outside of the, the physical aspect of it, then may is like, well, I, I just want your neck. Yeah. And I, 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 the moment of her saying you wouldn't hurt me, would you may? Yeah. I mean that, that, that's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not that it's bad. I don't know. She just felt kind of empty to me as a character. And part of it might be because she's basically playing this for all intents and purposes, kind of an airhead. Right. Right. In the film. Um, although you do get some nice comedy bits from the non-English speaking veterinarian with the scoople and, Oh and yeah. We didn't mention that he's, he's Borat. Uh, in Borat. Yeah. yeah. Ken Daviton, I think is his name. Yep. Um, but I did like it on the second viewing. I don't know if I liked it as much or if I felt the same way. Um, but I still think it's a really solid, entry in that, that type of horror that type of psychological horror and a and a good derivative of the frankenstein genre I, I still think it works really well yeah angel you shared something with me um today actually talking about uh i i guess angela's portrayal of may from a psychology standpoint you were you were reading online reviews and sort of her accuracy of it Yeah, a lot of people were saying that, like, with mental illness and stuff like that, mental health and portraying it in movies, it's can be on, like, a spectrum of, like, being so harsh that it's just a punch in the face of reality. 
and compared to being so cheesy that like it's not real at all and a lot of people were saying that this movie really does a good portrayal of being on that middle spectrum of where it is pretty harsh with this girl is going through all these issues and stuff like that and dealing with all this trauma but also being have that little like comic relief of oh she's just awkward and doesn't know what she's doing and stuff like that but like it rides a good middle so it 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 actually feels more realistic to what a person would be like versus the sort of parody or extremes of um that character in film right yeah i definitely say it would has a good portrayal of it in my eyes i feel like it's a little extreme still <laughs> like well she cuts but, up a like, dead body yeah or cuts up kills people yeah. and cuts them up yeah okay <laughs> but like it's a movie it's supposed to be extreme right. yeah. yeah 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 you gotta have you gotta have the drama right so you gotta have some reason to sit there and cover your mouth and and be like why is she going this far right yeah yeah okay brad how did your viewing go on the second watch outside of being with Sammy and I and thinking, man, it just doesn't get any better watching movies. I I mean, that does play a factor in the second viewing, right? I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to get past that. Um, two beefy studs eating candy in your ear. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't in the middle. Troy, Troy was in the middle. So I I did, uh, have a box of Swedish fish. Um, it was a good experience. I really enjoyed my watch, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so just to get to piggyback on, on what you guys are saying. I mean, the performance by Angela as may pretty much is the linchpin of, of this whole film. And there are times when I was just feeling so uncomfortable Yeah, that it, it, it really works on that level, but when you're playing the character that awkward and that weird, and you're trying to set up a relationship with Adam, to me, it's like as weird as that guy wants to like think that he is, and as much as into Argento he is, I just don't believe that he would be interested in May. I just don't believe it. There's nothing about him in that relationship that I buy. And that to me is where the film kind of falls apart because it hinges on their relationship. And I I just, I don't, I could never get behind this guy would be into this girl regard. I mean, the first time they, he, they, they're meet cute is him waking up and she is caressing her face with his (laughs) hands, caressing her face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. You could be into as much of Dario Argento as you want. But that is not going to. I, I just, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Brad, and, um, legendary director Dario Argento. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Labor Pains is better than Dracula 3D, Troy. So legendary, my ass. Le- legendary director Dario Argento. But go ahead. Uh, and so that's all where a lot of this stuff falls apart for me is is their relationship. Now, Anna Ferris is really good. She's one note, but that note is really good. It, it kind of over the top and funny it gives the film a little bit of relief from all the awkwardness and i mean i feel the awkwardness like really builds tension because you know this awkward person is going to do something but i i think i liked it the second time 
I didn't like it as much as I did the first time I watched. I, when I first watched this, I thought it was pretty brilliant. Now I, as I've seen more stuff and seen guys, even as their debut films do a much better job than, than this. Um, like I would put something like Dar- uh, Donnie Darko, like ahead of, of this. I almost I thought you were different- going to say Dario Argento. <laughs> no, no, I would never say anything like that. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's a, f- I think it's fine. I think it, it, it totally is, is okay. Um, I wouldn't like jump up and down to, to really get behind this one. Um, I thought I would when we were, were talking about doing this, like, Oh, I love May. I wouldn't say I, I love May. I do like where it goes. Uh, the eye trauma piece of this really gets to me still. Like I, Oh my goodness. That sound. I effect. can see like, yeah, I can see so much gnarly shit in horror films. You show me someone get there. Uh, we had it. We had it in the films we watch. Show somebody with uh, fingernail trauma and eye trauma. And it will make me cringe every time. And we, oh. uh, Brooklyn 45 has the, 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 the fingernail trauma. And this had the, Oh eye trauma yeah, and I was, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Both, yeah. both these films. So, uh, in may, when you get that sound effect and Brad has a pretty sweet setup for a home theater. Uh, when you get that sound effect of the eye kind of being gouged, I think mm-hmm. all three of us were, were squirming in our seats and about ready to leave. Um, yeah, the violence in the film is some, some, some of the violence in this film, the way it works, it's not just the sound, the, the violence, the quietness of the violence too is, is disturbing. Well, like scalp using a scalpel because they're so sharp, the cuts are always so clean. Yeah. That almost gets me even more like when the, when the cut is real clean, it feels like surgical and I, I, it just, yeah, the, the. I guess the third act of this really does play into like the horror stuff. Cause up until then it's pretty more, I would say psychological, but yeah. then the third act, it gets really horrific and, and really goes there. Oh yeah, um, it does. I, I just think again, I think it's a little overly long. It is not in a hurry to get anywhere. Um, I, I feel like you could cut 10 to 15 minutes out of this and it would be a much better film. Um, like, like I know the like, I, I don't know there I don't know what I would cut, but I just feel like there's there's got to be stuff that you just don't need in here. Um, but then let's talk about the elephant in the room. This <laughs> fucking music is some of the worst music in a film I have ever heard in my entire life. I don't know what kind of fake ass Indigo Girls music is going on in this thing, but it absolutely sucks. Fake ass. So you you've for our show created the label fart rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause like you have, you have butt rock, but what's worse than butt rock. It's the farts oh, that come out of you guys aren't of- going to, I hope you guys aren't going to bring up what I think you're going to bring up. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, we're not going there. No, no. I mean, I had a new name for a genre, but we're not going to bring, no, that we're up. not, we're not bringing that up. No. Um, uh, Angel, uh, you're, you're somewhat of a, uh, your taste in music is very diverse, right? You, yeah. you introduced me to Monoskin and uh, love it. What did you think about the music in this film? I thought, what I noticed, I wasn't paying too much attention to the music until it got to the sex scenes. <laughs> and we're just sitting there laughing because it's the most awkward thing ever. The music yeah. or the sex scene? 
<laughs> music. The problem with the music in this film, too, is can you guys hum one melody of anything that you heard? No, uh, I can't. No, I, I don't. I mean, and if I could, I, I think I would get kicked out of a lot of places. No, and, and look, I, again, I'm not saying anything bad about musicians. They work hard, you know, more power to them. They got their movie, the music in a movie, but it just doesn't work for this movie. I, I know what he was going for. But it really is, as Brad said, it's the elephant in the room. I is, mean, is it the music is funky. bad or the music is bad for the scenes that it's being put in? I think it's I think, both. I think it's bad both. for the movie. Okay. Is I it, know what he's going for here, like some type of emo thing or something, but I just don't I just don't think it works. Yeah, but like, you know, your 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 lead in this film is a female, so let's get like female led music in here no. for for your strong female stuff. And I get that. There are so many good female musicians that you could have picked from. And of course, you know, we only have $1.7 million, but you could have yeah. gotten, you could have gotten, throw me a, a four non blondes in there. Do whatever, please do something. <laughs> yeah. During this the shit thing. is. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. It, I said, Hey, it, what's going on? <laughs> uh, you're biting my finger. Um, it's just, yeah. It, oh, let's not is, bring that. Angel went to a whole dark place with that. To, uh, shit. Dark Marinki's dark place? No. <laughs> well, she, I I learned something. To, I learned a new term for my daughter today. Okay. Oh, boy. <clears throat> that I learned from my roommate. Okay. Yeah, I blame, I blame Maddie. I got I to stand up. Can we Can we wait? No, we can't wait. Um, But Angel. Angel. Jeez, ah, Angel. Um, Are we going to get into like fetish talk? Yeah, go ahead, yes. Angel. Go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> the whole scene where he's like watching his film with May, um, there's a word for that that I learned. It's called vor. V-O-R-E. It's voyeuristic, yeah. No, nope. I thought see, so that's where that. I went. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. I'm thinking I'm thinking carnivore. It's like cannibalism porn. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your dad's got some of that. What? No, hey. <laughs> I, I I never knew it was called that, but I do know that that's a thing because there are You knew this was a thing? I had no idea well, this I was mean, a thing. I, I know there, well, that Misty Monday character, that actress I was telling you about, Aaron Brown, she's been in some horror films, some softcore horror films like that. So there's a whole genre of that. There, there's, of the there's a cannibal... There's probably, hard, there's probably hardcore. There's probably like, hardcore films. There's like, I remember watching like a documentary about where I think it was Bailey Sarian talking about these like chats, like online chats of I'm like pretend I know who that is, but keep going. Yes, <laughs> it's like these online chat forums that are like, oh, I want someone to eat me. Or cut yeah. me up and stuff like that, and this like, like we'll Army go Hammer to the stuff. extent yeah. of meeting up with these people, and someone kills someone to eat them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my! It's so goddamn God. liberals. That's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's something about I and I and I'm just an armchair therapist here, but it's something about consumption and consuming someone and. It's it's tied to that somehow, some way. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. 
but yeah, yeah. Army Hammer had a little bit of that in him. And I, this, this is information, Shane, but this is weird. Yeah. This is information. I wish like you guys had told me not angel. Um, mm. cause when she dropped this, I'm like, what, what are you talking well, about? But I didn't want, I didn't want to tell you about it because I was afraid I would expose myself. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not technically, I'm not into that stuff technically, but the, uh, technically, no, I like how you say I, technically. I didn't know. I, I, didn't know yeah. technically. I didn't know it was called Vor though. I didn't know that until yeah, that's t- what my roommate told me. Oh, that's interesting. You need I a new know. roommate. Yeah, we need to do some due diligence on this. The reason, the reason why I find that interesting is, is you know, Vor. So what if you do that with plants? Uh, what? Karn. Karn? Is it just Karn? Yeah. Karn? Is it Karn? Isn't Karn meat? What? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, herb. herb. Is it herb? Herb. Herb. Yeah, herb. Just be herb. herb. Yeah, herb. be herb. 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 Ah. Herb. Well, <laughs> Herb's over in the corner, like what I do. <laughs> we we had to do some research prior to the show because there's a line uh, that Anna Ferris is inviting her over to uh, eat melons, right? Yeah. And then she's eating an orange. So then the question was, uh-huh. uh, is an orange a melon? And we know the answer now, right, Sammy? That's right. An orange is not a melon because it doesn't grow on a vine. There. So um, yeah, the the but- script is inconsistent in that perspective. The question becomes, well, is it inconsistent or do we, is Anna Ferris's character such an airhead? She probably thinks an orange is a melon. Well, yeah, because people who don't know the difference are stupid. She not, invited, yeah, I knew the difference. I she invited her over to enjoy melons and she was eating an orange. Well, it's not always technically true, though, because grapes are not a melon. We already talked about this, and I don't think tomatoes are a melon. They grow well, on a vine as well. I mean, like, could she just been talking about uh, earmuffs, Angel, her titties? <laughs> right. <laughs> Huh? I mean, could she have just been like, hey, come over and Vor Bread. So you're saying melons actually didn't refer to food group. It meant Yeah, she was just talking about her melons, her fun bags. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. gets, gets even better fun bags as is, you know, that's yeah. wow. We've regressed. Her <laughs> <Or> sweater puppies. <laughs> sweater puppies. <laughs> Angel, I do hey, listen. Angel, I do remember not, we're I'm me and your dad are in our fifties and we're laughing at this shit. So just remember that. Yeah, and I'm forty making dumb jokes. Maturity, <laughs> maturity is a long time coming for most. Of us. <laughs> if you are trying to, since you're 21 now and you're going out to bars and stuff, do do not yeah. try and pick up a woman and comment on her sweater puppies or whatever Brad said. So please don't. I don't think I will. Okay. Yeah, that's. I have more game than that. Th- uh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Um, okay. So uh, a few things, um, my, I might've liked this a little bit more than you two, uh, on a a second watch or well, so that's the question. Did you like it more the second time around or less? I liked it more. Okay. Yeah. But I think I know why. And and I, I do have a question before I share my thoughts. Angel is, is this a film that you would go back and watch again now that you've seen it? Or is it a one and done? I think I'd watch it again. And like, like it's just I want to go more in depth with it and like not scream at the TV every time she does something awkward. Okay. And like actually pay attention. I, I get that. I, I think the first time I watched it, I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I really like where the third act goes. Um mm-hmm. and, and I, I would say, okay, this this feels like a horror version of singles or say anything. 
So it's the darker version of a Cameron Crowe movie with a goth fart rock, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, I And if, if you're like, hey, if you're kind of doing a pairing of films, if you were to pick two movies that go, well, here's the positive and negative and maybe a similar situation, I would put Say Anything up against this and take John Cusack's character in that awkwardness and compare it against May. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting double feature in my opinion. But here's the thing. I think may is a good film with an outstanding performance. I think the film would be a little pedestrian if it wasn't for Angela Bettis. I think her performance pretty much elevates the material. And without her, I think this would feel like a full on love letter to Argento. Um, on its surface, I, th- I think that this feels like Lucky McKee read this Maitland McDonough uh, book called um, Broken Mirrors, Broken Minds, Dark Dreams of Dario Argento, because it's it's taking all of Argento's films and breaking it down from a psychological basis. And to me, he, he would have come across that and maybe picked up on those aspects and said, hey, I, I want to recreate that giallo um, and really lean in to the psychological aspects of Argento's work. And it is an Argento film without much of the legendary director's style or craziness. So there, there are two scenes um, that really bring that out, I think. And the first one is the blind kids crawling on the glass, tearing up um, the doll, bleeding everywhere. And you get this really crazy music with it. That feels full on sort of like an Argento love letter scene. And then yeah. you get to the ending, and to me, that's where Argento would have probably started his film. But Lucky McGee sort of leans into the psychological um, pervertedness of some of Argento's themes throughout the entire movie. And Angela's performance elevates all of that material, 100%. And, and to me, on the second viewing, if you pay attention to her performance and what she's doing some of the themes come out a little bit clearer. So we've talked about it being a Frankenstein derivative, and I think that's all there. It, it talks about the dangers of playing God, the, the parental abandonment, um, social rejection, all of, all of this stuff that's in Frankenstein, it's in this film. Mm-hmm. But I think what's very interesting is when you watch it and you dissect it a little bit, and it's not just from May's psychological breakdown, but her view of society, you start to get this question of, hey, as people from a society perspective, are we just viewed on our parts versus being judged as a whole person? So, Angel, you already talked about that, you know, one comment that's in the film. And I think mm-hmm. this movie does a very good job of, as a horror film, kind of presenting May as society getting more and more sick and depraved because it's only concentrating or trying to go after the perfection of these parts to make something a perfect whole. Mm. But as, as you're doing that, all of the damage that you end up causing. So if lucky McGee is trying to make a comment on what we're doing as a society with using may as a character, I think, I think that's a pretty good thesis or essay for a horror movie that has this social consciousness to it. Yeah. And that that's what I got out of it from its second viewing is the first viewing. I think you get overwhelmed by the performances, the awkwardness, 
the grotesqueness of the third act. But on my second viewing, when you're when you're looking at it from an analytical standpoint, you go, "Hey, I think that, I think there's something more here than just the Argento ness of it, right?" Um, and the horror movie aspect. But this whole theme of a person who is getting rejected by society, and her solution is to find perfection in the parts and try and put that together. And I feel like May has a little bit more re- relevance in today's society, especially with like social media and influencers, et cetera. Um, and well, even, or, or just Madonna alone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, <laughs> I think, I think that message packs a little bit more punch as our society has, um, ha- has kind of evolved and matured since this thing has come out. I like that theory because her mom is really on her about one bad part. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that one bad part damages her so badly. At least, we think we don't see the extent of the damage that her mom has caused, but we just know that her mom is overbearing and abusive. Could be worse. Sure. Uh, we don't yeah, know. I wish we mean. had some more flashbacks to her mother. Yeah. To like get more in depth about what she went through. So yeah. I, I, and then I, you could also say the doll itself, which is a hideous doll, but the, <laughs> the eyes are almost perfect on the mm-hmm. doll. It is. Yeah. Which is, that could also be a commentary on her and her thoughts on her daughter. She had because she made this doll with perfect eyes and now her daughter has an imperfect eye. So it it, it goes down some roads. So uh, I, I like, I like that theory. I like that. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything more to say. Yeah. Fun bags. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there, there, there are some visual uh, metaphors, et cetera, with the, the case cracking, et cetera. You're like, okay, that, that could be a little too on the nose. The Frankenstein tattoo, get it all, right? Well, I don't. I think the case is only actually cracking once. I think she, in her mind, the case is cracking more. When she actually takes it to the, to the, the kindergarten for the school for the blind kids, nobody saw that coming. But when she, when she took it there, you guys didn't get that? Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> the, the, when she took it there, there was only one crack in the case. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. So I think the cracking, that is clearly metaphor for her state of mind. Her sanity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because every time she gets upset, you know, a little bit more cracking in the case. But it, so that, but that, that I caught that this time that I didn't catch the last time. So I like that. But I still, I still honestly, I still think it's a little heavy handed, but I do like it. Well, I, I think take that Argento scene because it, it's flat out an Argento scene where these kids are breaking the glass, then they're cutting themselves up on the glass to tear this doll up. Mm-hmm. I, I think, again, it feels like an, a callback to what I, th- I think Lucky McGee likes Argento, obviously. And I think uh-huh. if, if you were to go like, so. what's one of your favorite directors? He would say Dario Argento. I'd be like, okay, well, he did a really good job of copying something from an early Argento phase with that sequence. But if mm-hmm. you were to take a step back and go, is this a social commentary on everybody's um, craving for perfection, but also their ability to tear down things that aren't perfect? That sequence kind of sums up a lot of the messaging within the film. Uh, mm-hmm. And then even her reaction to events um, or her reaction to that event and what she does as a result of it. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed probably the second viewing more than the first viewing because I'm actively trying to pay attention to what's going on here outside of is, is this just a modern retelling of a Frankenstein story? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a lot more here to may 
then sort of meets the surface of just being a good horror film showing uh, a person kind of slightly going nuts and then cutting a people up to make her perfect friend. And again, I, I, I definitely want to watch it again because I think there's even more to unpack with that ending. I don't want to spoil the ending for those who haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil it either, but it does bring up the theory of the unreliable narrator. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and how that plays out and stuff. And honestly, I don't know how, I mean, I guess you could have ended it another way, but I think that that's the best ending for this. I think so. It, it makes you question the rest of the narrative to be quite honest. Yeah, it, it does. And then, but it also shows her growth into what she is becoming. Yeah. And where it might go from there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Angel What? Without giving the ending away, this is one of the few films that we usually spoil the shit out of everything. And we're like, look, just go see it or stop here, then come back to it. I really don't want to spoil the ending, but I do kind of want to get your impression. Like, um, was did the ending leave a lasting impression for you? I mean, everyone's talking about like how this is like Bride of Frankenstein and the Frankenstein franchise and stuff like that. But honestly, my first thought wasn't Frankenstein. Really? <laughs> With okay. this ending. Mine was... Uh, like, uh, Frosty the Snowman. Do what? Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Elaborate. Yeah. Like the, I don't want to spoil it. Oh yeah. But like, the eye is the top hat. The eye oh. is the, oh oh. It's the, mag- it's the magic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I. All right. I like that. I like that. That's fantastic. That is. That's good. Holy shit. I like that. Well played. That's all I can say. No, no, no. That makes total sense. When you see the film and you make that comment, that makes total sense. All right. I, I, that is, man, I'm going to, I kind of want to go back and watch that now a little bit. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I can't, I can't talk about that theory anymore without giving it away, but I like that theory. I do too. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm processing everything now as to what happens and, how that plays out and stuff. Yeah, it's good. That's good. See, to me, this this is the type of film that if you've got like-minded uh, tastes with your friends, this is the perfect film to sit down, watch, because you're going to have a good dialogue afterwards. I got to be honest with, with you, Brad and Sammy. After we watched this film, I wanted to talk about it so desperately because I, I with it being so fresh in your mind, you just want to dissect it, right? And you could probably yeah. spend another hour going through it, but trying to save all of that for that, for this conversation was kind of tough. And, and yeah. Angel, I don't know how you and Maddie, like when it was over, did you just go on and do the next thing? Or did you talk about this film and try and dissect it a little bit? We definitely talked about it and like dissected a little bit and like, just like taking notes throughout the film is the most chaotic thing ever. Like I remember texting you, like some of my notes throughout the film when you were like, you're focusing on the wrong things. <laughs> Well, your text message was, there's a lesbian in this. (laughs) That was the first text. And I'm like, well, yeah, what's that have to do? Like, It's funny because Brad texted me while we us three were watching. He says, check out those gams. (laughs) (laughs) And then the character said it. And I was like, how did he know? (laughs) That's pretty funny. No, I'm yes. uh, That was your first text message. Um, But no, I'm glad glad you talked about it. I think you do focus on the wrong things the first time you watch this, though. 
I yeah, agree. that's I agree. what I feel like after to, hearing your theories, yeah. I want to watch it a second time and really dive into it. Because my first watch is she has a hand fetish, gay yeah. melons, and Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> oh, I want to see that movie. Oh, <laughs> yes. Gay melons with Frosty the Snowman. Is that the movie you want to see? Actually, I might have that movie on VHS laying around here somewhere. Uh, I, if anybody has it, you have it, Sammy. Um, uh, actually, Jose probably has it. That's true. If Jose were here, he'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that's volume 72 in my collection. Um, okay. No, that's I, I, I agree. I think that's a very astute statement. The first watch yeah. on this, you look at it from a story perspective, You'll, I think you'll fall in love with Angela's performance as an actress. It's fantastic. She deserved all the accolade the year that this came out. Um, but I think on a second viewing, you're going to do a little bit more deeper dive in some of the themes and the metaphors that are being presented here. And and I think it's a pretty smart film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart film, bad choices in music. I think that also, <laughs> man, the plumber I get, but you know, the more I'm thinking about it too, you know who else she reminds me of in this film? is It's like a Brad Dorff performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's always kind of unhinged just a little bit, right? Hey, look, the, the performance that comes to mind, and I've already said it, is John Cusack can say anything. Because I think mm-hmm. about that dinner scene where they ask him what he wants to do with his life. And he, and it's a great, charming, comedic scene where he's like, I don't want to I don't want to sell anything or buy anything or process. You know, he's going on and on. And to me, May is taking that sequence and turning it super dark. Like going, instead of going into the charming, oh, look at this guy, um, John Cusack's very romantic and charismatic, May's going, taking that same type of situation and going very awkward. It's um, interesting you say that. It really is interesting you say that because I've, there's all these theories now about saying anything and how it's about this character that's completely insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, he's essentially a stalker. He's a dangerous person. He is talking out of the side of his head or whatever, neck or whatever. And if you go back and watch it with that in mind, you think to yourself, Jesus, that this is a movie about a damaged individual. Hey, dude, I've already said this when we, when we had Michelle Meek on. And uh, I think it was the first time she was on. And we were talking about how films change from when it comes out to where you look at it from the optics of like today's viewing. Right. Mm-hmm. Say anything. The first time I saw it, I'm like, OK, that's my favorite smoochy film. Like, like that. Yeah, nails yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, but, like but I totally today, identified with his character. Yeah, but today, like if um some <laughs> some girl were on the lawn holding up a jam box saying Angel, I'd be like, get off my lawn, man. What are you doing? Stop stalking my daughter. Um so I, I would have that reaction to it. But I yeah. I, I don't know. It to me w- after watching this outside of the the terrible music, because I think Cameron Co- Crow knows how to get good music, um to me, this is like, wow, this, this feels like say anything a little bit, but just in a totally like uh, just a 180 direction, right? It's it's going into this very dark place, but it, it has very similar characters. Yeah. Okay. In today's, in today's lingo, it would be a multiverse version of that. Oh, true. Yeah, the underworld version. <laughs> you, you were going to say something, Angel? Yeah, it was kind of weird, like watching the film, like the third act where she – was like honestly the most comfortable to watch because she's so like herself now Mm -hmm. like she's just sunken into what she truly is right and like reacts like how you're supposed to honestly 
Like she's using normal terms and copying what other people are doing and like really getting into what she's supposed to, but takes it a different way yes, by yeah. killing people. Yeah. It's empowerment. It's definitely empowerment. She becomes empowered by her own disease. That That's true. Yeah. Well, any Great. other final thoughts on uh, May? Music sucks. Okay. Frosty the I'm, snowman. I'll do more. I'll do more research on melons for next week. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate. And, and, and not those type, Brad. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Angel. We always ask the question. We had a we had a very lively discussion, um, and and learned all about vores, which. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Thank yeah. You. There we go. And herbs. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> can't wait to share that tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not sharing that. Um. Angel, is May a bomb? I don't think it is. So, all right, all right. You're going to put it into the recommend category? Yeah, I would recommend watching it to, like, like if I would honestly, because for some of my psychology classes, we have to watch movies and, like, write about them. I could see this being a movie that I wouldn't think a college class would ever watch this movie. But if I was teaching that class, I would watch it. This is what makes you the coolest teacher ever if you ended up going into that categories because you would bring this type of stuff. But then you would get sued and then you'd lose your job. Yeah, I don't so, yeah. I don't want to lose my job. Okay. Uh no. Sammy, is is May a bomb? No, it's not a bomb. Again, I, I I'm a little bit more indifferent to it than I was the first time I watched it, but I still think it's a good film. Uh the theories you guys have brought forth today uh is making me evaluate it even more. But I still think it's a really good film. I really do. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I know some have thrown that word around, um, but I do think it's a really solid horror film. Okay. Where do you land on this, Brad? Yeah, I'm going to say not a bomb as well. I think the central performance is good enough to carry this film for the runtime, even though I think it's a little too long of a runtime and the music is terrible. I think overall, when you get to that third act, it definitely has a nice little payoff. Okay, well, let's make it unanimous. I agree, it's not a bomb. I, I'm with you 100%. When I see people label this thing as a masterpiece, I'm like, oh, all right, slow down there, Slick. Uh, yeah. It's a really solid film. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm also going to say, I think it's Lucky's best film. So out of his entire yeah. filmography, now I haven't seen his entire filmography, but I don't know from what, I've, what I have seen. I mean, The Woman, it's a tough watch. I think May's still a better made film um the woman's interesting because it's a tough watch but it's also an experiment in tone yes that is very odd absolutely yeah but i i would 100 percent. I, I agree with you i've seen a few more than you have but i still think this is his best film okay cool uh brad let's go i got i got some feedback you want me to read it please because i right. don't know how to read that's true uh <laughs> this is from kevin m says, apologies if this email runs long. I have a few different points in relation to your great conversation about the girl with all the gifts. First of all, although I haven't read it yet, I support any recommendation to read the book. While Christmas shopping for my ex-wife years ago, a voracious reader, it was recommended to me by a bookstore employee, and she remained firm in her resolve even after me mentioning that horror might not be that appreciated. I bought the book as a stocking filler, and my ex-wife loved it. 
Second, Cole McCarthy is someone I hope can find his way onto your podcast again someday because I personally think Outcast is a fantastic film and I highly recommend it to both of you. It's an interesting twist on some familiar fare and features an early possible debut film role for a very young Karen Gillan. Third, I will not stand for such Gemma Arterton slander. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, she's not been in all the hits over the past decade, but I recommend a French film called Orphan from 2016. She was Jerry in a superb episode of Inside Number 9, which is a show I hope you are at least aware of. Um, Sorry, Kevin, I'm not. Uh, Brad, are you? You know, we talk about these British things and all of our British listeners come out of the woodwork and just start pounding us upon. (laughs) Sorry. Good point. Yep. It's a good point. I I will echo Kevin. I know this, Kevin. We're we're friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I will echo. I think I did text you guys while I was listening to the podcast saying you guys need more Arterton and Patty Constantine films. Okay. I will correct that. I'm I'm out there. I totally agree with you on the other side of her. Her blockbuster choices, her big film choices. Yeah. Oh. They've been pretty brutal. I, so I, I see where you guys are coming from. All right. Uh, and la- he says there's a fantastic turn from her in Byzantium. Byzantium. Sorry. Uh, as for Patty, Tyrannosaur is one of the toughest films you can sit through, but it was the film that made me and many others aware of just how amazing Olivia Coleman is. There was one scene in the movie that had me shrugging and saying, give Coleman all the awards. Everyone else can go home. I also hope you have both seen Dead Man's Shoes which Considine is sublime in, but recommend that and the lesser known, but almost equally brilliant, a room for Romeo brass. I think that's all. It's certainly more than enough. Keep up the good work and all the best for the spooky season and beyond. Thank you Sweet. so much, Kevin. Yep. Kevin's right. He's right. And, uh, I'll say this about Tyrannosaur. That movie is grim. Grim. I mean, Grim. Ooh, now oh, I'm really excited. If you guys watch that, make sure you're in the mood for that because it 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 it's a great film, but it really has the potential to ruin your day. So, what <laughs> if I start with Frosty the Snowman, then watch Tyrannosaurus? Not nearly as grim as Frosty. I mean, okay. he fucking he melts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, do I transition from Frosty how, melting to this? How much darker can you get? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, Brad, if somebody wants to send us some feedback and maybe share their thoughts on May or ask us questions uh, or just do some recommendations for really uh, crappy films, how do they get a hold of us? That is notabombpod at gmail.com or you can head to notabombpodcast.com and hit the contact us button or hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, I, folks, honestly, the easiest, just go to the website. There's a uh, a button, hit that, and it comes directly to us. So yep. easy, we, easy. we will definitely read uh, your comments and thoughts on air. Sammy, what's going on at the Gentleman's Guide? Uh, we just covered Girls' Night Out, which is a truly tasteless horror film. Okay. Uh, and uh, next week, we will be uh, covering an even more tasteless horror film called Mausoleum from 1983. Ooh, I haven't seen that since the cable days, man. Yeah, that that one's really tasteless. So yeah, we're up to our normal shenanigans over there. Awesome. You know, no deep thinking, no uh, no no poignant conversations, just uh, <laughs> rubber monsters and nude women. Mm, okay. Right. Awesome. I'm in. Angel, uh, what's going on in college? <laughs> um, just 
How about psychology those credit homework? hours, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a history test next week that I am not prepared for. Oh boy. Oh. Um <laughs> well, study. That will yeah. help. Yeah. And, yes. And go to your classes and oh, no. uh, yeah. yeah, or don't watch don't watch a lot of TV. Oh wait. <laughs> 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 yes. Um all right. Well, Brad, what's next up on the spooky agenda? Yeah, next week we have 1986's I guess like a sci-fi horror probably comedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh written by Fred Decker. Actually brings back one of uh would be a three-timer for us, Mr. Tom Adkins cuz he was in The Ninth Configuration and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. It is Night of the Creeps. I'm pretty excited. I got a poster of this film autographed uh, by Mr. Tom in my basement. Uh, Angel, do you remember this film? You've seen it. I Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. You might have watched it when you were a little younger. They're in college. Slugs from outer space. Take over, create zombies. Not ringing a bell. All right. One One of the kids has cerebral palsy or something. No. Nothing. Okay. No. Well, if if you get a chance in between all the studying and uh, oh yeah, of course. Yes, not partying, but all the studying you can studying. Yes, just studying. You can watch Night of the Creeps. Uh, Got it. Yeah. What 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 other podcast shows? Um, you want you want to read that list for us, Brad? Yeah. So we have obviously the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Watch Skip Plus the VHS Files. Night of the Living podcast, the Backlook Cinema, the Mixtape podcast, and Raiders of the podcast. And Troy, yeah, you did it. We didn't also you? have a YouTube channel we want you to check out. It is our buddy John. It is, and now for something a little different. Yeah, please check that out. Yes, John is a huge supporter of our show. We are a supporter of his. We have to look out for all of our friends. Yeah. Please. Yeah, and we got uh, we got some special editions coming up too. So you will um, get the Halloween edition of Breaking Brad, which I know you two are very excited about. What movie are we going to be talking about? Skinner I don't. I don't care. We should have watched that all together. I wanted to. I we should have watched that together. Really? No, no. <laughs> I don't. I would, I would have left. <laughs> I like you, I, and I like you guys a lot. That would have been awesome. <laughs> you didn't have enough Swedish fish for me to make it through Skin of Marine. I, I had three more boxes. I should have given you those boxes. I got you like four boxes. I wouldn't need. I can tell you this. I would have needed a lot more beer. True. <laughs> um, I, I am not looking forward to this. Yeah, we're we're putting also. Um, so November, we will also have a Breaking Brad episode. We're also putting another special edition together. Um, more on that coming up, uh, as it gets closer, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to kind of finish out the year with, um, some extra goodies for the holiday season too, but you know, stay tuned. And, um, I think that's all the housekeeping items, right, Brad? It is. Okay. Well, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon or evening. Thanks for downloading the episode and hearing our thoughts on May. Come back next week for some outer space slugs that turn people into zombies and crash a fraternity party. So uh, we'll catch you then. Don't lose your head. <laughs>